What's up, guys? We're back one day late. Um, yeah, this is our first ever quarantine COVID episode. Oh, yeah. Our boy B Dub tested positive for COVID, but listen, he's safe, he's healthy, no symptoms right now. So let's hope that sticks. But he's here, he's still working, man. He said COVID ain't gonna stop the blue blood, so we're here. We have, and you know, it, we, I would want to make them feel good, but LSU didn't win this weekend. Neither did Auburn. So we, this is just going to be a sorrow field episode of the Blue Bloods here today. Guys, we're going to recap our pick six like always. And of course, as we told y'all last week, man, we're shortening up pick six to get us some storylines. We got some big ones. I mean, Jared Patterson setting the college football world on fire, Florida State being flaky again, Derek Mason's gone. The big, the big Ten might just have exploded this weekend, so we'll cover all that here, and we're going to wrap it up with our playoff picture after week 13. But guys, loaded show today, so let's go ahead and kick it off. guys you know brandon's here but of course the first game in our lineup is texas a&m hosting the lsu tigers this weekend a 20 to 7 win and brandon when i say that this game probably turned out completely different from what anybody in the entire world expected i think i that 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 there's no other way to put that i mean 20 to 7 was the last possible thing you could have thought to see Zach, I don't know what world you're living in because I thought it was going to be so much worse. I thought this was going to be a million times worse. I thought, you know what? And honestly, this is kind of a victory for LSU. They only lost by two touchdowns in this one against Texas A&M, who's ranked number five in the country. That that seems like maybe someone shouldn't be ranked number five in the country. Is all I'm going to say. Oh man, I, listen, I agree with you. I mean, I don't. I have them seven or eight in my top ten. Really? So I mean, even after, I mean, I get it. Like they only scored, they you know they only scored one offensive touchdown on a fifty-two yard run. Zach, this offense was everything except for explosive. Isaiah Spiller, I will say, did really well, but fifty-two of his one hundred forty-one yards this weekend came off of one run. Right, and against a defense. That literally, I don't think there's a single offense LSU's played that has played bad this year. I mean, they were giving up yards at will against some anemic offenses. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know what? I'm not going to act like LSU's playing well. They're not. You know, they only scored one touchdown in this game with 38 seconds left in the game. Fine by me. At least they scored. Um, scored by a player who opted out after this game. So, Terrace Marshall, great player. Wish all the best to him. I get it. I really do. I I am terrified, though, Zach. Uh, and I'm very curious as to who the quarterback's going to be um, going up against Bama this weekend. But man, this, this game was this game was just rough overall. I mean, it has to um, for me, Brandon. It 
it has to be Max Johnson, right? Yeah. I mean, he came in during he he came in during the Auburn game, played really well, scored the only offensive touchdown in that game. He takes over for TJ Finley here and plays, I would say, relatively well. I mean, 113 yards and a touchdown in what a quarter of action, and you look at what TJ Finley's done against good defenses, Brandon. I mean, I, and I don't think Auburn nor Texas A&M is to the caliber of Alabama's defense, but they're decent defenses. TJ Finley's been eaten alive. That's true. Against the two best defenses he's played all year. I mean, Brandon, this game, 36% completion percentage, 118 yards, and two interceptions, and his QBR was a 20. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 rough. Um, and look, I think TJ Finley is going to develop, and I think he's going to be a much better player than he showed us that he was this game and in the Auburn game. But man, he, he just needs a lot of time to um, to develop, and that's the case with a lot of this LSU team. I don't think this team is a bad team. I, th- I don't think they look very good right now, obviously. Um, but Coach O said in a press conference today, he said that uh, he thinks the foundation is laid. The talent's definitely there. The coaching needs to come together. Uh, the The players need to come together as a team, and they need to develop a little bit more. And I think this is going to be a good team in years to come. Um, it, there's just a real rough patch right now in Baton Rouge. And listen, I don't want to make it seem like I'm putting it all on TJ Finley. Tyron Davis Price and John Emery Jr., I, they are lucky to even have scholarships at this point. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I mean and, and good lord, dude. And where's Curry at? Where's Chris Curry at? Because I mean, he didn't even have he, he didn't even saying. record a stat this weekend. He, well, he didn't play. I'm, I'm legitimately curious where he's at. I don't think he's hurt. Um, LSU has three running backs. You know, they were supposed to be this three-headed monster in the backfield for LSU. And two of the running backs show up this weekend, and the rushing game accounted for 36 total yards. Uh, The two running backs accounted for 31 total yards. I mean, that's terrible. That is is terrible. And Davis Price only averaged one yard a carry, like 1.5 yards per carry. His longest rush was 10 yards. The longest rush of the day was 10 yards by TJ Finley. I mean, I don't know. This blow up the program is what I'll say. Blow them up. If, if, if that means firing coaches, fire coaches. Blow it up. I mean, what do you think about the people who are saying Coach O's on the hot seat, though? Do you think you could fire a coach a year after a national championship win? Um, for on field stuff, no. But I also I think he's on the hot seat, but I think it's mostly off the field stuff. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, before we wrap this up, man, I I think we have to mention Kellen Mond. Yeah. Because we have been – so before the season, we were hard on him because we were like, he's so good, he hasn't shown it. Well, he was playing his best football of his career. He comes out and gives you 32% completion percentage, 105 yards, and a 15 QBR. Against LSU's defense. Against LSU's defense in 2020, that's what he did. That's terrible. Oh, I'm telling man. you, this is this is Pete Kellen Mond. This is exactly what we all expected out of him. Uh, he's he's so wishy washy. He's so hit or miss, and you never know what you're going to get out of this guy. I mean, I've I've been saying that since we started this podcast. I've been saying it since before then, but it's on the record since last August. I mean, he is. You never know what you're going to get out of Kellen Mond. Yeah, you aren't going to be able to beat anybody worth a damn if your quarterback's averaging three point one yards per completion. No, absolutely not. When LSU's starting quarterback, a true freshman, 
has a 20 QBR and two interceptions, and he outplays the winning quarterback, that is a problem. You know what's bad, Zach, is that both of the quarterbacks that LSU played this weekend had more passing yards than Kellen Mond did. That's bad. Both of them. I, I mean, I'm not, talk, I'm, not, I'm not talking combined. I'm talking about each. Oh, I know. That's, <laughs> that's bad. And Max Johnson played like a quarter and completed three more passes than Kellen Mond did. Yeah, and he had few, way fewer attempts. I, I mean, yeah, it, twelve is fewer. This is bad. It's bad. And you know the the thing that's going to piss me off is that A and M travels to Auburn next weekend and Jordan Hare, Kellamon, yeah, he might have a performance like this and A and M could get upset, or Kellamon might throw for four hundred yards out of nowhere, and you'll be like, what in the world? Yeah, and you know what's crazy, Zach, is that, and we haven't even mentioned this. This game should have been closer than it was. I mean, I know that's coming from me, and maybe don't take my word for it, but I, I, I saw a touchdown that, that, that shouldn't have been called back for LSU. And if robbery, and if LSU would have been, if LSU would have pulled Finley maybe even a minute earlier, then who knows what Mac Johnson, if they would have started Max Johnson, I think LSU might have won this game. And, and I agree. I don't know. I, I mean, that, that's, that is, that does not look good for this Texas AM team. Uh, that's, I might, I might just leave it at that, but, Man, Texas A&M, you got to step it up if you want to be taken seriously as the number five team in the country. I mean, the thing about it is, is if you guys just had a running back that could hit fifty yards, y'all might have yeah. won. Oh, that's true. I mean, the defense just kind of wore down down the stretch, and I think that's why you saw Isaiah Spiller kind of step it up at at times. But I mean, man, LSU could have won this game. That touchdown was BS, and then. They had another play called back, and he threw an interception on like the next play. Right. I mean, it was just everything that could have went wrong for LSU did go wrong, and they still almost won. Which is it's and, bananas. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy, but Brandon A and M had to needs to make a statement. Eventually, they have to beat Auburn by a lot this weekend. If, because they're on the outside looking in. And so if the playoff committee, if what, Brandon, what happens if Alabama goes into Death Valley and beats LSU by 60 next weekend, which is a possibility. No, it definitely after the is. Outs. And doesn't that hurt A&M in the long run? Because oh, the yeah. committee's like, oh, so you had a struggle win at home against a team without really any direction right now and opt-outs and you were at home in bad weather. It just all everything added up to A&M should have dominated Bama comes into Death Valley, dominates. Then they're like, well, why do you deserve a spot in the playoffs? Well, and not to mention, I, I mean, look at how bad Auburn beat LSU. It, you know, right. And that's in Death Valley. Oh, I'm sorry, that's in Jordan-Hare. But, but still, yeah. I mean, you can't expect to go into Kyle Field where they're filling the stadium up. I, I mean, there were looked like a lot of people there. Um, and you still, you, you still only pull off a victory by two touchdowns. You know, and it shouldn't have been that close. I don't want to look too far ahead, Zach, but going to play at Jordan Hare, Texas A and M. I mean, I, I this might be a game they're overlooking, and they really should not overlook this game at all. Yeah, I almost don't want to put it in pick six because I know I'm going to have to go with Auburn because of the way they play. And I know Kellamon is going to come out and throw for 900 yards, and it's going to be a beat down. That's just how it goes. But guys, like I, like we said, LSU is hosting Alabama this upcoming weekend. Uh, I don't even think Brandon wants to talk about that game, so we'll probably spare him this next week. But 
A&M, like we said, travels to Jordan Hare to face Auburn. So we'll see what the playoff committee does with them. I think Florida should move ahead of them in the playoff rankings this week. But we'll see how the committee weighs this win. But, guys, we had a huge upset this weekend. It broke everybody's heart. It came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody saw this coming. The number 15 Oregon Ducks, or formerly number 15, upset by the Oregon State Beavers in a huge rivalry game, the ex-Civil War game. Brandon, how did the Beavers pull this one off? I, I Look, I, I'm just as confused as you are, Zach. Um, I don't know, because... <laughs> Because everything in the world pointed Oregon State dropping this game. I mean, Oregon State has just not been a great football team at all in years past. But it looks like this season. I mean, the rushing game for for Oregon State is insane. By the way, like that's if I had to give it to one um, one part of the team for Oregon State, it had to be the rush game because 269 yards on the ground is insane. Yeah, he J- J- uh, is it Jam is it Jamar? I know it's spelt weird, but I think it's still Jamar. Yeah, Jamar. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, 226, two touchdowns, unstoppable. But Brandon, Oregon had, what was it, a 31-19 to lead in the fourth quarter. Right. I mean, and, and they lost forty-one to thirty-eight. And look, Zach, the the over that I chose was just barely hanging on by a thread. And guess what? Oregon State went ahead and pulled through for me. Yeah, I might have lost outright. Yeah, maybe I did think Oregon was going to win this one, but at least the over hit, and that's all we can hope for. I mean, this was this was Pac-12 after dark kind of, uh, and the over hit. So it really didn't disappoint to me. <laughs> I mean, you can't let your rival score twenty-two points in the fourth quarter to storm back and make a comeback, right? And, and I mean, <laughs> honestly. I I don't know if Oregon hadn't scored that last touchdown, you know, with uh, what was it? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, I meant Oregon State. If Oregon State hadn't scored that last touchdown, I mean, that was clutch in the last yeah. thirty seconds of the game with the backup quarterback too, because their other backup gets hurt on the first QB sneak. That's tough. <laughs> and so they're like, you know, what, let's, let's, mean, t- let's throw another quarterback in there. Right. That just it, it was ballsy play calling. I loved it. I mean, yes, I get CJ Verdell got a little bit banged up. He had to leave the game. Travis Dye stepped up with 93 yards, but it really came down to Tyler Shaw making mistakes down the stretch, Brandon. Two big interceptions. He wasn't as consistent nor accurate as we're used to seeing him. And I think we're finally seeing that drop off from Justin Herbert last year really hurt these ducks. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, and look what Justin Herbert's doing now. Um, it, it's definitely a huge loss for this Oregon team, and it, it's becoming apparent. Uh, the Pac-12, by the way, is just imploding from the inside out. And so that this does this kill all playoff hopes for the Pac-12, Zach, do you think? Yeah, there's there's no chance. USC's been um, non, not impressive. And the only other team that's even has a chance to be ranked is Washington. And there's no way they have time to make up that you know, their low ranking to start at the pat. If it was a normal season, I would say absolutely. They have a chance to make it. But in this season, I think you can go ahead and kiss the Pac-12 chances. Goodbye. Yeah. You think this is like an elaborate plot by the Pac-12 to just not allow any of their teams to play any out of conference opponents. Ooh, I like it. I like it. And, and everyone has to be in bed by 10 PM. That wasn't going to happen with the playoffs. I mean, 
you, you know, I, Wait, I think is that, they, a, is that a rule? Is am I missing something? I think, yeah, a, a, a lot of the Pac-12 states. That's why they're doing Pac-12 at noon now because oh, a lot a lot of the Pac-12 states have curfew set because of COVID now, right? Which doesn't excuse athletic events. So everyone on the West Coast has to play early. I mean, I'm already in bed, so I, I get the ten o'clock thing. I'm pretty tired already, so I do want to correct myself though from the preview episode. I mentioned I mentioned that Noah Sewell was out for the year. It wasn't Noah Sewell; it was Justin Flo. Okay, um, yep. so it, it, the other five star linebacker <laughs> that they got, I get him so confused. I just got my five star linebackers mixed up, but. You know, looking at this Oregon defense, I, I see a lot of potential, Brandon. I mean, Noah Sewell's a monster. Kayvon Thibodeau is doing his thing to another sack uh, this weekend. Um, it's just they had so many opt-outs on that in that secondary that I really feel like they lost the heart and soul of their defense. I mean, they lost, what was it, four, four or five seniors from that back end of that defense? Oh, yeah. Juniors I mean, or seniors? I mean, that they lost Panay Sewell. I mean, and, and you know, a lot of they lost a lot of talent to the draft as well. I mean, we already mentioned Justin Herbert. So yeah, I mean, this this Oregon team. I mean, what can you really expect out of them? Now, and listen, I, I, I saw some stuff on Twitter, Brandon. Anybody who is saying Mario Cristobal is on the hot seat needs to be fired from whatever platform they're working for. I don't care what their job is. I don't. They could be. A no. math, they could be a math teacher. You're fired. Yeah, you're like there is no way Orkin is upgrading over Mario Cristobal unless they get Nick Saban and or Dabo Swinney. It's not going to happen. Okay, I mean, Brandon, uh, realistically, who can Orkin hire that's better than Mario Cristobal right now? No, no one. I agree with you. I mean, this dude just won you a Pac-12 championship, and you still have a chance to win the Pac-12 championship. I mean, let's be honest here. You have to replace a new quarterback. You have to replace five secondary starters. You have two freshman linebacker. One of them tears their ACL. You had D-line opt-outs. I mean, the best, arguably the best player in college football opted on your offensive line, and you're telling me that, oh, he lost a three-point game on the road against a motivated rival with nothing to lose? Oh. Like get, get, ease up a little bit, and Oregon State has been on the upswing. Yeah, that's true. So it's just crazy, man. I can't believe people are already putting Cristobal in the hot seat. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I mean, there, there's a reality, or there's like some universe where uh, Urban Meyer comes out of retirement and goes to Oregon. I, I you know, if that's if that's what the, these Oregon fans that are saying that Mario Cristobal is in the hot seat um, are hoping for, then I get it. You know, everyone could be hopeful that Urban Meyer can come <laughs> Listen, coach their team. It's like, would you not want Urban Meyer? To, would you fire Gus Malzahn today if Urban Meyer was going to be your coach? Dude, I'd fire Gus Malzahn if you wanted to coach Auburn. Okay, we'll fair. get to that in a little bit. And Mario Cristobal is coming up later in the show because he has been linked to a potential job opening that we're covering later. Uh-oh. So I got breaking news there. But, guys, Oregon, they got a rebound. Uh it's a, this is a tough loss, but they travel to Cal this weekend on the 5th. That's going to be a tough road game, Brandon. That's in prime time on ESPN. I'm interested to see how the Ducks bounce back. While Oregon State heads to Utah to face the Utes. And, what, in the, and Brandon, guess what? Utah is not one of the states with the curfew. So that game will be kicking off at 9.30 p.m. Pac-12 after dark on the 5th. Here we go. You've got to love it. But, guys, we're moving on here to the Big Ten. Maryland. Loses a uh, an ugly one to Indiana, twenty seven to eleven. Brandon, um, and I think the only storyline that we got to open up with this, Brandon. I know the game was good, but 
Michael Penix Jr. announced today out for the year, Brandon, uh, with a torn me. ACL. Oh, no. So Penix Jr. is out for Indiana for the rest of the year, guys. And Brandon, you're, I know you're, I know probably what you're going to say, but for me, man, it is heartbreaking to see one of the breakout stars of 2020. Like it's like every good thing that football or anything has given us 2020 takes away. And I, I can't wait to see Michael Penix come back and dominate next year. Oh, I can't either, man. And that, that's heartbreaking. I mean, especially to be having the year that he's having. And and for this kind of injury to to take him out, I mean that's that's awful. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are; you can be the biggest Maryland fan in the world. You don't want to see that. Um, but man, what I tell you, Zach, Maryland they're overrated. T- Talia, yep. the worst. One Another three interception game. That's what I'm saying, dude. I mean, does he look good to you? Nope. He has Every the James Winston team ratio. He's faced. He has the James Winston Every- ratio. Seven to seven. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I mean, every single good defense he plays, man, yeah. three interceptions. It, it's tough, man. You, look, and I get it. You know, he he only had one interception between then and now. Doesn't matter. Anytime that he plays any competent defense, like Zach said, three interceptions. So who who does Maryland have next week? Because, yeah, oh, God forbid it's somebody who's even decent. Um it's it. They're tr- they're going to the big house to face Michigan. Okay, so he's going to throw zero interceptions because that's Michigan's defense. <laughs> um, the, Mich- Michigan just lost to zero and five Penn State. Yeah, we don't. Can we cancel Michigan? Like I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not one to cancel things, but I'll cancel Michigan. <laughs> You're pretty bad, bro. Yeah. I mean, if if you weren't on the fire hardball train. Before now, I, I don't. I don't even know if they're selling tickets. I think they're just leaving the doors open overnight well, I, to let I, people in. I bought the last ticket. It's it's closed. I mean, so Brandon, realistically, so I mean, they pull this game off. They they established a run game. Tim Baldwin Jr., uh, Stevie Scott, both had over eighty yards. Baldwin had over a hundred. Scott had three touchdowns. If they can keep the run game going, and Jack Tuttle, who went five for five for thirty-one yards in his action after Penix went out. If they can, if if he's accurate and they can get this run game going, can they still get to the Big Ten championship? I mean, I could definitely see it. You know, obviously, there's some things that would have to happen before that, like Ohio State. We're gonna cover those later. Yeah, Ohio State might have to lose to every other team that they play for the rest of the season. Nope, Um, not even that. They all they gotta do is get one more game canceled. Oh, that is true. Oh wow, Mm -hmm. breaking. Um, Yeah, I think I know what I got. I think. Oh, I don't want to. Never mind. I'm not going to travel anywhere, and I will not intentionally spread COVID. I promise. But <laughs> you need to sit your, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm going to get us arrested. I'm quarantined for two weeks, guys. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. The, it's the memory thing with COVID. They don't tell you about that. Oh, God, man. But, I mean, for me, man, th- this Indiana team, big bounce back here. I mean, they're 5-1 and one now, and – Looking at their schedule, I think they have uh, – this weekend is going to be interesting, Brandon. They got Wisconsin on the road. That's going to be a tough one without Penix. I think with Penix, that would have been the game of the week for sure. And then they have Purdue. And with the way this defense is playing, I think they're going to have a chance there. But if they can finish 7-1, and one, and let's say they get into the Big Ten Championship for whatever reason, if they win that, do you think not having their starting quarterback will keep the committee from keeping them out of the playoffs? I could definitely see it. And I mean, this is one of the big things, um, you know, where they switch from the BCS to the committee. 
I mean, the BCS wouldn't have looked at anything like that, but the committee has to. I mean, this is, I mean, it's simply not the same team without Michael Penix Jr. I mean, do, do you, I mean, you can't disagree with that. Uh, this team, I think, takes several steps back without him. Unless they can prove to us in the next two weeks that without him, they can still play very successfully, um, then I think they absolutely have to take into consideration. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's heartbreaking because I think, I, I, listen, if that happens, I think Indiana is a team to watch next year. Yeah. A thousand percent. This team's young. I, I think this team's going to be gunning. And this is a team, Brandon, you talked about Tom Allen last week. This is a team where I don't know if they're going to lose a single player. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it, that's going to be a very interesting situation when they come back with everyone from this year. I'm so excited. Um, but guys, like I said, Indiana moving on next week to face Wisconsin on the road. And that's, that's probably my game of the week, honestly, while Maryland, like we said, big house against Michigan, the battle of the trash, of the trash cans. We're just going to call it that, but we're going to, we're going to move to the ACC now, guys. Notre Dame pulling it out, a 31-17 win over UNC, Brandon. This is the game that gave you pick six this week. How did the how did the Fighting Irish avoid upset alert in Chapel Hill? Well, first of all, I would like you to apologize for me or to me for saying that that Notre Dame's defense would not hold UNC to under twenty points. <clears throat> I'll wait. I'll That's wait. Fair enough. I think I said they would score eighteen, and you were like, "No, if they hold them to 18. Yeah, it's uh, pretty bad, dude. They shut them out in the second half. Yeah, they absolutely did. I, I mean, I don't know. This Sam Howell didn't look as explosive as he normally does, even for this season. Um, and they shut down this run. I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. They they absolutely shut this run down. This is terrifying. This run defense is stupid. It doesn't make sense. I mean, they held Javante Williams and Michael Carter to under 57 yards apiece. They held Javante Williams to 28 yards. They held Javante Williams to 2.5 yards per carry, and Michael Carter had 7.1. But 26 of his 57 came on one run. Right. No touchdowns for either of them. And, you know, you look at what they're doing against their opponent's run. What about Kyron Williams, man? Kyron Williams is getting better and better and better every single game I see him play. Dude, it it is scary. And, And you know what? Normally, this is what we see out of these Notre Dame teams, the ones that have been good in recent years. We see this really, really good defense, but as accompanied by like a mediocre offense, this offense looks good. This offense looks really good. Agreed. I mean, Ian Book's been accurate. He had 279 a touchdown. He's <clears> avoiding <throat> turnovers. I, I love what I'm seeing. He's dynamic on the ground, man. 48 yards, six yards per carry. And they finally have like a lead wide receiver starting to develop for me, Brandon. And it's Javon McKinley. He's a senior. He hasn't put up a lot of stats in like his career. I would say, I mean, he had no catches in 2016, Brandon. He missed three years with injury. Okay. So this dude has been at, at Notre Dame since 2016. And last year he had 11 catches, and now he's out here balling out. He's putting up big numbers, and I think Javon McKinley is someone to watch down the stretch. He had 135 this weekend. He was the go-to target for Ian Book, and 
I don't think you could say more. I mean, Brandon, I don't know where Notre Dame recruits their tight ends, but they got to save some for someone else, right? Well, no, uh, because they always have the best tight ends. Like, always. It's It doesn't make any sense. And the thing about this, and I want to move to the Notre Dame defense, man. Six sacks, Brandon. They were all over Sam Howell. And, it, and when I'm looking at USC, uh, UNC this year, Brandon, my biggest takeaway is their offensive line held this team back. Right. Right. It was the weakness. I they they couldn't run block against stout defenses, and they couldn't pass block and allow Sam Howell time. And because this offense thrives on deep shots, well, if you don't have enough time to take a deep shot, then you got to change your whole offense. And I don't think Mac Brown was ready to do that, man. And until they get an offensive line in Chapel Hill, I think this team is just a mediocre ACC team. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's tough to say, especially when you have so much talent on this team. You have so much offensive talent, and you have a decent amount of defense, and you have a decent amount of defensive talent too. But man, if you can't get that line right, you are not going to be able to do anything with this offense. And listen, I just want to say this: I know I don't think we're going to cover it on the podcast today, but Clipson looked really, 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 really good this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it was like thirty-eight nothing in like the first quarter. It was disrespectful what they did to Pitt. I'm still I I've reported to the authorities and they're handling that as B, but they were pissed off this weekend. And the more I like, I keep saying Clips is going to win. Clips is going to win. Clips is going to win. Dude, this second game against these two teams might be better than the first. Right. I mean, because Notre Dame's not going to back down, and this Notre Dame team looks like it's improving every single week as well. So it's like. This is going to be a barn burner, and whoever wins that game, Brandon, when Notre Dame and Clemson face, whoever wins that game should be the number one seed in the playoff. Oh, I absolutely agree. And look, it, I don't know how you can count Notre Dame out if they do lose this ACC championship. To they should not be. They should. They should be the fourth seed. I agree. Give the third rematch they should in be. the first week of the playoff. Oh, that would be tough, wouldn't it? Could you imagine having to play a team three times? Like, they already talked about how hard it is to beat someone twice. Can you imagine trying to beat someone three times? I don't know. The world might explode. (laughs) And, uh, listen, I know know where our listening base is. I I get it. If you're an Alabama fan, the Iron Bowl's up next. Hang tight. But if you think Alabama's just going to come in and dog walk Notre Dame, I think you are going to be in for a rude awakening if these two teams find each other facing off in the playoffs. Yeah, this isn't this isn't 2012. This is this is 2020, and this is a totally different Notre Dame team. And this team is incredible. <laughs> this this team is good, I, Brandon. For me, my biggest takeaway from this game this weekend is that Notre Dame is for real. I know I'm late on that bandwagon, but this team can do it all, man. I have. I think they are arguably one of the most complete teams in the country. No, and I, I can't are. believe we're saying that. Ian Book playing his best football of his career. Kyron Williams coming out the woodwork, arguably been the most impressive running back all year, except for Jared Patterson, who we're going to get to later. And I mean, this defense has been outstanding. I mean, I don't think Brian Kelly is getting enough credit, Brandon. Brian Kelly has done his job finally, as much crap as he gets year in and year out. Brian Kelly deserves some praise now. Right. No, I, I mean, he, I still don't like Brian Kelly, and I like Notre Dame. I do, but I'm I, not a big Brian Kelly fan. But, yeah, he deserves his I don't praise. like him, but he's done a good job. I don't like him either. I get you. But, guys, Notre Dame, 
hosts Syracuse next weekend. And man, that one thirty NBC game is probably going to get a lot of views. That is going to be a massacre. But on the flip side, UNC Brandon, they get Western Carolina next weekend. I'm sure that's a huge rebound game for them. But then Brandon, number ten Miami. Um, is hosting the Tar Heels and what's sure to be a really, really good game there. But we got the Iron Bowl now, Brandon. We're moving to the SEC. This is what a lot of the listeners have been waiting for. Um, I'm a dip off right now. I got to do my taxes or something over here. So I'll let you take this one. Um, but the Crimson Tide, man, 42-13 domination of the Auburn Tigers. And listen, whoever said Mac Jones was a game manager, I, I need you to go ahead and make up, make an appointment and order some dinner. Cause you got to eat that because that is terrible. Cause Mac Jones was spectacular this weekend. Oh, he looked good this weekend. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't like talking about this game either, Zach, because I know I'm just looking into the future. This is like a time portal. And if Alabama beat Auburn 42, 13, that means LSU is about to get beaten like 112 to, to like three. So I, I don't even like to talk about it. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, Mac Jones looked really good. I'm not going to say he's a game manager, but I'm not going to say this is the game that decided that for me. Um, I think I probably could have told you that way before now. I still don't think he's going to be like the most impressive quarterback in, in his class. Um, but yeah, he looked really good. I get that. Zach. He looked really, really good. He has these really, really incredible receivers working with him, though. I mean, Devontae Smith had a game of his lifetime. I mean, 171 yards, two touchdowns. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, yes, while Mac Jones did look good, that one receiver accounted for more than half of his total yards. Yeah. I mean, did you watch this game? Like, I, I know you probably didn't watch the entire game because it was really bad, but like, I mean, did you watch a good bit of this game? Yeah. Well, yeah, I did. Uh, what, can you believe Auburn had as many first downs as Alabama? No, I actually, even watching part of this game, that that did not. Um, <laughs> I did not know that. Wow. Yep, they both had twenty first downs. Um, okay. That, can you believe Auburn had um, almost three hundred and fifty yards of total offense? Nope. It, oh wow, Auburn had control of the ball for almost forty minutes. Yes, that's bad, Zach. Now, on paper, Auburn won this game, but man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Alabama put up 450 um, on us. But listen, it, I, I told you guys what was going to happen. I, I mean, I, I know I picked uh, probably a lot bigger score than this. I mean, I, I think it was like 52 to 27 or something like that. But I mean, Brandon, what did I tell you? Tank Bigsby's not, not healthy. Auburn couldn't run the ball till late with Mark Anthony Richards. All 57 of those yards came in the fourth quarter. Um, then I was like, Hey, the offensive line, we're missing three starters. They got absolutely eaten alive. And Seth Williams dropped the ball that I know people with no hands could catch. I mean, it, like, like, I, cause if Seth Williams catches that ball, Brandon, it's 21 to 13 at halftime. Yeah. So, uh, it, it's like, man, there was just so many things where it's like Auburn, oh, it's like, could I have it? I mean, and right after that drop, what happens? Bo Nix throws an interception in the red zone. It's tough. Zach. It's like, come on, man. And like Bo Nix, I, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say anymore right now. I feel like I'm I, like, I feel like listeners are being turned off 
about how much I have to explain that Bo Nix is not good away from. I, I don't even know how to, how to explain how he is such a different player from Jordan Hare to an away stadium. It's, he's kind of fueled by the stadium and, and the energy. You know what's fun, Zach, is that I watched, uh, I, I want to say it was, what was it? It might have been Friday, maybe Thursday. And I was watching uh, ESPN, and all of a sudden, an old Iron Bowl came on, and I saw uh, Pat Nix play. And you could just tell the energy there was different in Jordan Hare. So maybe it's like a maybe it's like a genetic thing. Oh man, you know it just breaks my heart that like th- this is how we lost. I mean, forty-two to thirteen, Brandon. It was forty. I mean, like forty-two to six until like the last minute of the game. Yeah, yeah. It's just. It's disrespectful what happened. I mean, but Matt Jones, five touchdowns over 300 yards, man, a 96 QBR. Najee Harris did his thing. He was averaging almost nine yards per carry for 96 yards, a touchdown. Like you said, Devontae Smith, 171, two touchdowns. Mechie had two touchdowns. Uh, it's it's almost like Alabama didn't even try. <laughs> they, they said, you know what, it's just Auburn. Right. I mean, it, it really was. It was just Auburn. Uh, Auburn had multiple fumbles. They had multiple interceptions. Uh, they couldn't do anything. Josh Job on Alabama's team played amazing. And listen, one of the best secondary players in the country right now, Brandon, is Malachi Moore for Alabama. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. He, this kid is a true freshman out of Trustville, Alabama. This kid is all over the field, man. Three interceptions this year. He has 34 tackles. This kid can ball, and I think this kid is could be the next Mika Fitzpatrick's hype player coming out of Alabama that's going to be a high first-round pick. This kid has ball-hawking skills, and every single time I've watched an Alabama game on TV, Malachi Moore has absolutely blown me away with his talent. I mean, he, he showed up big in the Georgia game. I think he'll play a big part this upcoming weekend. Malachi Moore was a star on defense for me. And like you said, Devontae Smith, I mean, what else can you say about the kid? I mean, p- played an absolutely amazing game. Right. No, you're right. And Brandon, this gets to the storyline. So there's... You know how it is, man. You lose to Bama forty-two to thirteen at Auburn. People are having your job, and about time. That they're um, the, I have good faith in this dude. This dude is an insider for two four seven. He has major major connections, and apparently, if Gus Malzahn is let go by Auburn this year, the top candidate who has confirmed that he has interest is Mario Cristobal. Stop. That who is, is from Alabama. Who is from Alabama and coached at Alabama for a long time. So he has the Southern roots and Mario Cristobal would be Auburn's number one target to bring it to bring in. If Gus Malzahn is let out the door, it's Mario Cristobal. Does he want to go to Auburn? I don't know. Uh, I, I would imagine that it would be this, it, it would be similar to Oregon. You'd be a middle of the road playoff contender. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah, that's the number one target for the Auburn Tigers. You heard it here first, guys. And listen, the, uh, Bo Nix, uh, he should not be guaranteed the starting quarterback job next year. Uh, I mean, who, who's he? Who's competing with him? Demetrius Davis coming in as a true freshman. You remember the Auburn uh, recruiting update we did? Right, right. Texas State champion, the kick and ball. Uh, I think Davis has a really good shot at this. I mean, Gatewood hasn't been doing anything 
anything at Kentucky. So it's making me feel a little bit better. But the interceptions and the not being able to play on the road is a problem, Brandon. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way about TJ Finley. No, I, I definitely do. <laughs> I No doubt I do. Ah, just I, I'm upset, man. This was a bad weekend for your boy. Uh, you know, it's the Iron Bowl, but I get it. We weren't supposed to win. But listen, we're going to move on to a game that me and Brandon hit on the head. Auburn hosting Texas a and next weekend. We already talked about Alabama going to visit LSU next weekend. And what Uh-oh. a game that everyone's looking forward to. But we got the Iowa State Cyclones, Brandon, man, pulling off the big win down in Austin, 23-20. And boy, Barisi Hall is a grown man. We told him. That's all I got to say. That, that that could be the whole show right there. Barisi Hall is a grown man. We tried to tell him, Zach. We tried to. And they, they don't listen. They don't listen. Mm. They never listen. Uh, listen, Texas and the ESPN win probability had the, had the win all the way up until, what was it, two minutes left in the fourth quarter? Disrespectful. But yeah. It just... I don't know. I got a little queasy there when it was twenty to ten in the third quarter, or when it was ten nothing early. Yeah, I got a little queasy. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, it's like you know." I, I don't know if I want to take the beating from the fans of missing another pick six. That would have dropped me to three and three, another five hundred record, and I couldn't have that for our awesome listeners out there. Not but a rivalry weekend. Hell no, uh, not even a chance. But Barisi Hallman, ninety-one yards a touchdown. But I want to talk about Brock Purdy. This dude has totally redeemed himself since his opening struggles. I mean, 300 yards passing, a touchdown, no turnovers. And that tight end, Charlie Kolar, is a problem. Oh, absolutely. I mean, talk about a total 180 from the beginning of the season. You know, a loss to, to UL, to Louisiana Lafayette in the first week of the season. And now, I mean, they're pulling off wins in Austin against Texas. Uh, and 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 Bryce Purdy is is playing his you know what off Brock Purdy sorry saying Bryce Bryce Hall, Bryce, Purdy. Bryce Purdy Bryce <laughs> Purdy I mean look, look at his picture on ESPN Zach he looks like a Bryce I I, I do like I, I get what you mean but I mean and Brandon you can't put this on Sam Ellinger either I don't think for Texas I mean he had what 300 yards a touchdown he had another rushing touchdown 65 yards rushing I mean. He did what he could, but Bajon Robinson and all these other guys got to help him out. And the defense never closes for Texas. They could play the best game of their entire life out there and choke it away in the last minute. Right. And look, this this Texas team cannot continue to be Sam Ellinger and company. I mean, someone has to step up. I don't care who it is. It could be a running back. It could be maybe like a tight end. It could be anything. But he's got nothing. It's him. It's him through the air. It's him on the ground. That's that's it's literally it. I mean, and Brandon Eagles is been really good at wide receiver, but to be outscored thirteen nothing from the mid third quarter onward is a problem for Texas, and it eliminates them pretty much from the Big Twelve title race. I mean, you have Iowa State sitting at seven and one. You already don't have the tiebreaker with Oklahoma who only has two conference losses. I mean, you're pretty much done now. Right. And so it's Iowa and Iowa State's pretty much clinched it because they also have the tiebreaker over Oklahoma. And 
you're kind of just sitting there waiting. It's like if Oklahoma State can win out and Oklahoma drops a game, they could sneak in. But that's a tough look because Oklahoma State hasn't played very well. And for me, Brandon, is so everyone's saying if Oklahoma wins out, they should get in the playoffs. Why is it the story the same for the uh, this Iowa State team who beat Oklahoma? I I don't know, but it should be, and it's been making me so mad that people are that people are saying that Oklahoma still has a playoff shot. I don't think they deserve a playoff shot. They have two losses. I don't think. Yeah, that's my thing. Is I don't think I, I think the Big Twelve is eliminated. Absolutely, they are. Uh, and. I don't think if Oklahoma wins out, they should have a shot. I don't think Iowa State should get in if they win out. But, you know, you're looking at Iowa State. So if they win out, what what is their fate? Like, what is their ceiling realistically? I mean, they have one game left next week against West Virginia. They win that, and they get another win over um, uh, over Oklahoma. So they're, what, 9-2? and two? With losses, um, and their losses aren't great. Let's be honest. I mean, Oklahoma State and and, and Louisiana Lafayette, not your. It's not the best losses in the world, but I think that team that's a top eight team, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I could see it. My only thing is, you can't sneak a two a two loss team. It doesn't matter if they're in the Big Twelve. You cannot sneak them into the playoff when you're already probably going to have Clemson. If Clemson wins the ACC, I think you have to keep Notre Dame in. Those are two one-loss teams. Alabama probably goes undefeated uh, from here on out. Um, and and uh, Ohio State, Florida. maybe Florida, Texas A&M. I think all those teams are better. BYU, Cincinnati, I think all those teams are better than a two-loss Big 12 team. And I'm sorry, I understand the playoff committee is probably going to want to put one of these teams in. I don't. I don't see how you can do that. The only way I think they get in is if this week they jump to like nine. Yeah. And then if my if they jump Miami and Indiana, that would be huge. And so they would have to have BYU, Cincinnati, Florida, and they would probably need Clemson to lose again. They would need chaos pretty much. Chaos. We're all to make the playoffs. Uh, just absolute chaos. But, Brandon, you know, the final thing here is, is Tom Herman safe? He shouldn't be. I mean, to be totally honest with you, no, he shouldn't be. I, this Texas team, I mean, what has he done there? It, he, Nothing. He has done – he is to Texas as Jim Harbaugh is to Michigan, in my opinion. He can't, he can't, he can't win. He can't win when it matters. <laughs> and he's losing people from his state. I mean, Quint um, – not Quinn. Um, I forgot the kid's oh, first name. Quinn, yours. yours. Yeah. Yeah, Quinn Ewers decommits and goes to Ohio State the next day. Yeah, that's tough. That's, that's tough. a tough one. That's I mean, tough. out of your backyard, they snatch him from your pocket. Oh man, that that's just. I mean, you you listen. You paid for all that girl's drinks, everything, and she went home with your best friend, bro. I mean, that's tough. But listen, I mean, he's got to be on the hot seat, right? I mean, you're losing. You're not recruiting Texas. You aren't winning big 12 titles you're really not even like brandon right now if you're looking at the future of big 12 programs where do you put texas i I put them behind oklahoma um yeah i i i almost want to put them behind baylor because i think under dave aranda in years to come i I think that that that, that, that young team is good that's what i'm saying and the defense is gonna be a powerhouse um i i almost want i mean 
I think I put them over Oklahoma State still. Um, but, I mean, no higher than third in the Big 12. I, I don't – I just can't see. You see, for, for me, I would put them behind Oklahoma, which no surprise there. I put them behind Iowa State. Yeah. Iowa State's been a more consistent program the last three years, and, they're, and they got youth in the right places. They're recruiting better. Um, and did you see what Barisi Hall said about Texas? No, what? He said, um, "It's he said the reason that they're better than Texas is because a five star culture will always beat five, just a bunch of five star players." Wow, I mean, that and that's absolutely true. I mean, Texas is always way up there in recruiting, and then what do they end up doing? Nothing. And look, I get it. You want to you want to keep him around. You want to keep Tom Herman around because he was the coach of Houston. You know, he's a Texas guy. But come on, at some point you had to pull the trigger. And, and I don't know. I think you're right about Iowa State, Zach. Because Brucey Hall is only a sophomore, and he's got at least one more year to beat up on Texas. And, and Brock Purdy can come back because of COVID. Yeah, but I mean, to continue my point, like I don't know. I think I think you got. I think Tom Herman is on the hot seat, and I think he absolutely deserves to be. Who do you think? Like, who's realistically do you see Texas maybe trying to go after? Though that's the that's the tough part. It's like it's tough because does Texas? I mean, if you, does Texas hold the same weight as it used to? I I don't think so because I mean yeah they're a blue blood program I get that but they're not like a contender I, I mean and, and I don't want to say you know you have to have made the playoffs since the playoffs been around to be a contender in today's age because there's I think there's a lot of teams that haven't made the playoff in the, in the five years that it's been around six years that it's been around if you include this year um, that are contenders that are legitimate contenders. Texas really hasn't even been close. And, and, no. and I mean, have they, when did, when's the last time they won their conference? Been a, it's, been a it's, minute, it's been bro. A minute. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe 10 years ago, uh, this Texas team would have been at the top of the big 12. Now I don't even, I don't even know that they're close to the top of the big 12. I, this is Oklahoma's conference through and through, I believe. Yeah, I mean, and they've lost to Iowa State two straight years. Uh, Kansas State's on the upswing. Baylor's on the upswing. I mean, it's not getting any easier. And TCU's dominated them. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what, they've won eight of the last nine or something like that? I mean, we talked about when we cover the game. And, Brandon, I, I think an interesting hire will be Billy uh, Napier was, at Louisiana uh, Lafayette. You're trying to steal my he, – he, he might be the hottest coach on the market right now, which is crazy. Like the hottest, the reason I'm because he's gone. I mean the, oh yeah for sure. And the reason I'm saying him is he has he has experience recruiting that area. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I mean he's out there. He's, he's, built, he's out there in West Louisiana. He's he's he recruits Texas. That's what he does. Yep. And I like him. And I think an interesting one. I don't know if he would come. Uh, this is kind of like a stretch play here. I mean, you have to at least call Luke Fickle, right? Oh, even if he doesn't take it, you have to make that phone call. Well, because he's, I mean, he's right up there with, with Bill Napier. Uh, I mean, he is, this guy, I can't believe he's still at Cincinnati. <laughs> because he could definitely land a Power 5 program. And I think that if he wanted to, he would have already been in a Power 5 right. program this season. Because after last Listen. year. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, for sure. He's waiting for the right and, job, Zach. He's waiting, he's waiting for Ohio State to open up. That's not going to happen. And I know where I think he's actually going to – you know who's really going to be after him? If this job opens up, Michigan will be at his front doorstep begging him to come. Oh, yeah. 
And that's going to be a tough one because this this is a, an Ohio State guy through and through. But he, they are going to be in his you front have door. To tr- you you got to try though. If you're Michigan, that has to be your target. If, if 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 I'm Michigan, but guys, uh, we already highlighted who they got next week. But we're going to move on to storylines here. That wraps up pick six. I'll be back next week. But guys, we got to start storylines, Brandon. This is the only storyline that I could think of starting first, and that's Jarrett Patterson. Okay, I mean. The performance of the year, Brandon, came at 11 a.m. by a Buffalo running back, Jared Patterson, and the Kent State defense is still having nightmares. Patterson rushed for 409 yards, Brandon, eight touchdowns, and which follows one week later his 300-plus yard performance last week, which is the highest two-game total in FBS history, passing Ricky Williams back at Texas. Brandon, your take and what in the world is going on with Patterson? I wish I could tell you, Zach, um, but I don't even want to talk about Like, I get it. Yeah, Patterson. People have been hyping him up all week. What I want to talk about is how demoralizing this has to be for Kent State. This team coming into this game <laughs> undefeated. They were 3-0, and and they were like, you know what? This is probably going to be a competitive game. Nope. It, it was not. Um, <laughs> Jared Patterson showed up, scores eight touchdowns on you. He single-handedly outscores your team and so that's that's a tough look I mean that's that's tough if you're Kent State plus he had what 240 in like the first quarter (laughs) he had like five in the first quarter man he had three touchdowns in the first quarter that's I mean he scored all the points in the first quarter that's disgusting (laughs) that they allowed someone to do that like you eventually just get like you're gonna have to go like old Bama, like our bowl or whatever. I forgot what game it was where the dude just runs off the sideline and clocks the dude. You got to <laughs> stop that from happening. Take the suspension, bro. You have to, you have to, he had too much Bama in him. You ever seen that clip where the, <laughs> yes. where the Bama player just runs off the sideline and tackles, uh, who are they even playing? He tackled somebody uh-huh. running down the field. I mean, this guy was going to score a touchdown for sure. And that's what you got to do if you're Kent State here. You got to, someone's got to come off the sideline and tackle this guy. I mean, you know, like in the NBA, you know, like when a dude's cooking you, so you send your, you send like Steven Jackson in to fucking throw him in the stands. Like, that's what you have to do, bro. You got to send an enforcer, bro. You got to put a DN back at safety, man, just cold clock him as he comes around the end. Like, you got to take care of this problem. I mean, you can't let a dude run for 409 on you, Brandon. No, I mean, that's what what do, you, what do you go home and tell your family after you let someone run on you like that <laughs> dude the backup running back had 100 yards <laughs> like they absolutely dominated you because you know i mean the entire culture at kent state at kent state just changed after this game um this is the worst tragedy well never mind i'm not going to talk about kent state um but yeah i mean what do you do you go from, you go from three i know i'm sorry I, i'm i'm on one today tough. i'm on one today like, i'm like, like like, this is why you tested positive for COVID. This was the punishment for that joke coming. Like, God, God knew that you were going to say that. So, you know yeah. what? We got to set the record straight beforehand. Sorry, guys. And, and you can probably tell. Uh, but anyway, um, but I mean, the, the locker room just had to change a million percent of this game. Because like I said, Kent State going to this game undefeated 3-0. and It's the MAC. So give, give that as much weight as you want. And then they go out and get beat 70-41. to like, what do you do after that? I mean, you can't – nothing Because you know you know what it's nothing. like to be in a winning locker room. You know how much fun that is. And then you know what it's like to be in a losing locker room. And you know how, how much that sucks. They went from like 100% to 0% in 60 minutes. 
It's the worst. I mean, like, what, what do you do in film study the next, like, this next week? Like, you're just like, yep, and there he goes again. <laughs> good job, Mike. Good, good job getting around the corner. If you play on this like, defense, you just keep your head down. You don't, you don't look at anybody. You, uh, you pretend. Maybe you call in sick. Maybe, maybe you go get tested for COVID. Yeah. Oh man, I'm just I'm done. But guys, Jared Patterson setting the world on fire, man. That was an outstanding performance. We had to mention it. But Brandon, it brings us to the disappointments of the week. Okay, we got a few here. We're gonna start with Florida State. They were here last week. They're here again, Brandon. I caught a lot of flack from you. I caught a lot of flack from some listeners about taking Dabo Swinney's side in the beef of Florida State after they decided to cancel the game just a few hours before kickoff. Well, I want to see you eat your words because the Florida State did it again. Not going to happen. Not eating my words. Just a few hours before the game against the Virginia Commodores this week, who just wasted even more money to travel all the way down to Tallahassee, they canceled again, Brandon. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm still not eating my words, but yeah, I, I I understand your side of the argument, and while I don't respect it, I do hear it. So you are not changing. My question was: Do you change your opinion about anything? And should the a- a- ACC step in eventually? Uh, I mean, probably they should, but like while they're not stepping in, while there's no rule against uh, what Florida State's doing, I say just keep doing it. You know, take as many not losses as you can right now. If if you if you're in Tallahassee, um, you don't want to give a bad look to your program. You don't want these recruits to see you lose. And so if that if that's ever a possibility, maybe just opt out. What about the Florida State player who uh, said that um, the fans would freak out if they found out what was really happening behind the scenes, and then he opted out? <laughs> okay, well that's mysterious, and I need to get to the bottom of that. <laughs> so while while I'm on my two week while I'm on my two week quarantine. Uh, my vow to you guys is that I will find out what's happening. And then their top eligible cornerback, Asante Samuel, opted out right after that as well. Now I'm getting to the bottom of it, guys. So we have players opting out. We have Dabo Sweeney wanting to start a WWE match. You know, they should have let him fight on the undercard of Mike Tyson, Roy Jones. Dabo Sweeney, Mike Norvell, right after Jake that- Paul, you know, assassinated. Nate Robinson in the ring he slept him, and and I and I know that we're not uh, we're not a boxing podcast, but let's talk about it for a second. As much as I didn't want Jake Paul to win, I mean he he slept him. He, let's let's go ahead and get that straight. That was that dude, was that that dude. Str- I mean Nate Nate Robinson might still be asleep. He might. Have you seen? Have you seen the tweet where he says, "I need to take a nap" or like, "I need a nap," and then people just quote it with him on the on the on the canvas. Bro, Shannon, Shannon, Shannon Sharp said, "Don't I don't want you to do anything for the culture ever again." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I mean. Listen, like that. This is the same people who said LeBron James could take on the welterweight champion of the world in the UFC. Ah, that's tough. Like, ease up, ease up before LeBron loses his rings. Right? I mean, the, the dude would get demolished. Like, this, like I, I like what Shannon Sharp said. I like what anybody who knows anything about any sort of fighting, and I'm a huge UFC fan. I'm not a huge boxing fan, but I get it. Like, just because you can play football does not mean you can fight. That's true. 
It's just because you can fight in the streets does not mean you can walk up in the ring and fight a real a real fighter, bro. That is two different worlds. Like, ask Kimbo Slice what happened when he went to the UFC. He got his, you know what, rock. Rest in peace. Yeah, R.I.P. to Kimbo. I mean, he even went on, like, the ultimate fighter and everything. That was kind of dope, but he lost to, um, what was his name? Oh, he was the big redneck dude with the beer belly. Oh, my uh, God. It's like something Nelson, like, he had a mullet and a beer belly, and he said he didn't believe in cutting weight. He just weighed, like, 400 pounds and just <laughs> slept Kimbo. <laughs> he didn't but, believe in cutting yeah. weight. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Nate, Nate Robinson KO'd this weekend. I saw the storyline, but I would have loved to see Dabo Sweeney, Mike Norvell. Yeah, that I, I would pay money for that. But um, on a real note, Brandon, the only reason I'm just so upset is like you you fought so hard to have this season. And now you are canceling games for no reason. Yeah, no, nah, I mean, well, I, I already told I you. Mean, the I reason get, was. OK, a, a reason they got COVID. I get it. But like you should be following the protocols, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just like you can't can't listen. I get why people took Florida State side last week. It was a one time thing. Dabo's already kind of arrogant. I get it, but two weeks in the row is a little bit fishy. <laughs> it's tough. I'll say that. And they've already set the stage for canceling next week. Mike Norvell said, "Yeah, it's probably doubtful we're going to play next week." If I was whoever they played next week and it was at Florida State, I would not travel. I'd be like, "You can meet us halfway, bro." <laughs> we'll load up the car and we'll head out when you head out. How about you come here? Because we know what you like to do. We know what you're all about. <laughs> so, guys, we'll see if three straight weeks will happen. And listen, this next storyline is going to be half happy, half sad, Brandon. Okay. Okay. We're gonna we're uh, we're gonna try to make this a, a a little bit equal here, but let's try it. Vanderbilt. The high of the high of this weekend was Sarah Fuller making history as the first ever woman to play D1 college football yesterday, Brandon. And the low of Vanderbilt, less than 24 hours later, they fire head coach Derek Mason after an 0-8 start. Very tough. And listen, I get it. When you lose to Missouri 41 to nothing, someone's got to get fired. Yeah. Whether it be the bus driver, whether it be the head coach, or a fan has to get sacrificed. Something has to happen after Missouri beats you 41 to nothing. A fan gets thrown from the top of, well, <laughs> there's no mountain in Nashville, but find the closest mountain toss a fan off. Have you seen like midsummer? <laughs> yeah. Just got to do it themselves, bro. But <laughs> Mason, he was 27 and 55 in six seasons at Vanderbilt, Brandon. He actually has the second most bowl appearances in Vandy history with two. <laughs> um, some candidates, Brandon, listen to this, are Indiana's head coach, Tom Allen. He's not leaving. Notre Dame defensive coordinator Clark Lee okay. and Clemson, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott are the three main candidates right now. And so we had the high of the high with Sarah Fuller, the low of the low with Mason. Well, then, it, Brandon, we all know what the woke media is. They got to make a story out of everything. Well, a lot of people from the athletic went on a firing squad spree on Vanderbilt. Okay. Led led by uh, Stuart Mandel saying that Vandy was incorrect for firing Mason and that they ruined their perfect PR weekend by firing him. Mm. 
And like it was a whole series of tweets where they were just roasting Vandy. And I was like, you do know that even though like they had that great moment, they still lost 41 to nothing. Right. Okay, cool. We got that. Um, Brandon thoughts on the firing and thoughts on Fuller's appearance and thoughts on that. Vandy should not have fired Mason due to what happened this weekend. Well, first of all, Fuller's appearance was incredible. I mean, how cool was that to see? And if you didn't watch it, go back and watch it, do something. I mean, it, it was, it's awesome. It's awesome to see a female play in NCAA football. Um, you know, she's a female soccer player and she did her job. I mean, she, she, that was a nice kickoff. It was a nice squib kick. And, um, I thought it was an incredible moment for NCAA sports period. What's up? It, uh, can you please explain what a squib kick to some of these idiots out here no, are no. saying that she didn't kick a good ball? Cause we're going to throw hands on this podcast. Yeah, if we can't f- define a GD squib kick, because y'all understand. are some ignorant people out there saying that, Oh, look how far it went. It was designed. Clearly it was designed. Because you don't have someone holding a kickoff when there's no win, unless it's like a little squ- side squib kick. Like, can we be honest here? Like, what in the world is wrong with y'all? I don't know. People, people sitting on their couch watching football who have never, who have never put pads on in their life are sitting there just, just making fun because they're making fun of her because she's a woman, and, and that's. Uh, I'm sorry, and I don't, I don't mean to be any kind of way. And I understand that's that's the sort of thing that maybe some certain people you wouldn't like might say as well. I mean, but that, let's call it like it is. You're saying that because she's playing NCAA football and maybe you wish you were there or something. That's she did exactly what she was supposed to do. Like, what, how can we how can we criticize that? So, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, let's have a kickoff. I bet yeah. you she kicks more field goals than oh, you. you. I bet money. Put, not not like you specifically, no, Brandon, no, no. but like put it, anybody criticizing her, put, put some money on it. Put, put, your, put your money up. See, here's the thing. If they put if, – if most of these people criticizing her put their full leg into it, they're kicking, they're kicking it maybe not even half as far as that. Because it's hard to kick a football. Trust me, it is. It's hard to kick a football. And so she – That money, like half of y'all can't even make a 20-yard field goal. She is a collegiate soccer player. And you <laughs> – She just won the natty, I think. If I'm not mistaken, she just won like national SEC player. That she She's like a really good soccer player. That's, that's she's not, legit. And I don't know. People are, people are dumb, dude. Anyway, um, firing Derek Mason, I get it. Like he's been one of Vanderbilt's better coaches, like you said. He's uh, – he, he what he's tied for he's like second in all time bowl appearances with two yeah if you want the culture to change at Vandy whatsoever if you want this football team to if you want them to be successful if you want them to thrive then this has been a long time coming yeah he's been good for Vandy but if you want to quit defining uh how good your program is as good for Vandy and just start describing them as good you have to move forward at some point and I think Derek I think firing Derek Mason is the starting point. And while I, you know, I'm a very proud member of the woke media as everyone knows that Zach knows that. So, um, I just don't think this is a moment where they're firing a guy because of, of his appearance. I don't think that's what it is. And I understand that's what people want to turn this into, but that's not what it is. Look at their top candidates. I mean, I mean, Clemson's offense coordinator is also a black man. So what are we, what are we talking about here? How is that? How is that a bad PR moment? It, I, I think it mostly stemmed from they said it was taking away from Fuller's moment more so Whatever. than anything. Get off, get out of here. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the dude just lost forty-one to nothing in Missouri, bro. That's like tough. Missouri. <laughs> uh, look, Missouri is a pretty good team, Zach. Everyone knows that. 
<laughs> coming from <laughs> I forgot you lost to Missouri. Don't worry about that. Oh, God. But, guys, we're going to move on here. Big Ten Chaos. That's just what we're calling this, Brandon. We have so many storylines just in this. Um, So we'll start with this, Brandon. The cancellation of Ohio State-Illinois this weekend will means that if Ohio State loses one more game, like, it gets canceled, they are out. They are ineligible for the Big Ten Championship. Right. I mean, that's a tough That's a tough. What tough happens? Work. I, I if they don't play the Big Ten Championship, I don't think they should be in the playoffs. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that that's ridiculous. I mean, we've already counted Wisconsin out because they they um, – well, we already counted them out after that after they um, had to cancel their third game. Um, I get it. Wisconsin also lost the game. But even if they didn't, we would have counted them out just for missing that third game. Uh, I don't see why this is any different for Ohio State. Uh, you can't not play – a full season or even a partial season for that matter. I mean, missing three games in a, what is it? An eight game season for the big, for the big 10. Yeah. If you play five games in what world can you have five victories and win the national championship? That, that seems a little ridiculous to me. I think there's way too many really good teams out there right now for that to even be in the realm of possibilities. Yeah. And I think, so the rule can change, Brandon. So, it right now it's seven games, but if oh, if the average games played for the league shifts downwards by like a game or two, Ohio State can still make it if they have like two more games canceled. But someone on ESPN did the math, and like I think it was like sixty eight percent of the games in the remaining in the Big Ten schedule have to be canceled for that to happen. Okay, I got you. That that so it's very unlikely. unlikely. Yeah, not very likely. Very at this unlikely. Point. And so I think Ohio State's eliminated from playoff contention if they can't play the rest of their schedule. I agree, just personally. And that's gonna—it's gonna hurt the Big Ten so much because what's gonna happen is it's probably gonna be Indiana and Northwestern in the championship, and Indiana's gonna have the starting quarterback. And yeah, Indiana has a starting quarterback. Northwestern already dropped the game, and that was our next storyline: was yeah. Northwestern getting upset by one win, Michigan State? Uh, is Michigan State good? Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not even going to go there. Not at all. That's, that's a simple answer for a very simple question. They're, they're not good. They're, they're not good at all. And so, I mean, can you put any way? I mean, Ohio State would be so screwed. The Big Ten would be so screwed. And what we're seeing, Brandon, the Pac-12 is already eliminated. They handled the COVID situation incorrectly. They they drug their feet. They tried to squeeze everything in, and now they're paying for it without a playoff appearance. They don't even have a chance. And I think the Big Ten is going to get to the spot where if Ohio State's eliminated, they're done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's a huge, huge problem. But, Brandon, the other storyline, man, 0-5 Penn State upsets the Michigan Wolverines to make the Big Ten picture even murkier. What, what does Michigan do, Brandon? Where, how do you, how do you, where do you go from here? I blow it up. Uh, same answer as for what you do with LSU. You just blow it up. Start from scratch. <laughs> is Harbaugh almost guaranteed to be let go? Oh, I think so. I, I think I think the end of the season is his. I think this the last game of this regular season is his last game in Michigan. Real? What if he upsets Ohio State? If he upsets Ohio State, that clock resets. That's the same as winning a national championship in Michigan. <laughs> 
he said that 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 changes everything. That, that is a wrap on that. But guys, we have one last thing here, Brandon. We gave our playoff picture last week. Has your playoff picture changed at all uh, since last week, based on this weekend? No, not based off this weekend. I mean, the only thing that would have changed it for me is if Ohio State um, maybe wouldn't have canceled their game and maybe they played a close game against Illinois, which I don't think they would have. But no, I, I still think you have to keep those four. I think it has to be. I think it has to be Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State. I like that. I like that. And right outside the top five, there's an interesting thing. We got A and M five. Right, that was the rankings last week. You have. Um, well, well uh, you had A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, 5, 6, and 7 last week in the college football playoff. You had Northwestern at 8. They drop out. And Georgia at 9 probably won't have a chance for the playoffs. And Miami probably won't either. So how, do you think A&M drops 1, 2, or do you think they hold that fifth spot for right now, even based after this weekend where Florida looked dominant, Cincinnati got their game canceled, but A&M struggled with an LSU team that has not been very good this year? That's a tough, that's a tough question to answer. I – I could see them dropping a spot, but I don't think the committee puts Florida ahead of them just because they beat Florida head to head. Um, so no, I think they probably hold that number five spot. And the last thing, man, do you think there's any way, just any way that Ohio state is punished for losing another game? Um, yeah, I, you know, that's actually a good point. I could see, in, in one world, I think there's like a one in, in 10 chance that the uh, that the committee actually drops them out of the top four because the committee loves Ohio State for whatever reason. I guess maybe because they won the first playoff. Um, they've got a special place in their heart. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I could definitely see a scenario in which they took uh, Ohio State out. I, I think that there's an argument that they shouldn't be in the top four at this point since they've had two games canceled already. I agree. And that one coach, I know it's probably Ryan Day. Will you stop voting Ohio State number one in the country? Please. They're not. The, Ohio State got one number one vote in the coaches poll. That is ignorant. It, plot twist. It's uh, it, it's Luke Fickle. <laughs> I'd be upset. But, no, I mean, I think Cincinnati, uh, Florida, and A&M all have a really good shot. I think Ohio State could drop. But it's like. If Ohio State drops out of the top four, who do you put above them? Because I don't think you could put A and M in the four spot. No, I don't think you could either. Um, you would, I think they would have to be. They would have to jump Florida two spots, and I think I'll, I'll have a real tough time. They would do that. Yeah, I don't think they do that either. I mean, but you're looking at the games, man. I mean, Ohio State's four and zero. Bama's played eight games. Notre Dame's played nine. Clemson's played nine. A and M's played seven. Florida played. Florida's played eight. Cincinnati's played eight. It's like. You're doubling your games played right now, and you're supposed to be able to make the playoffs. Yeah. I was like, ah, I don't know about that, man. That's that's, I I just can't see it. And I know I sound like an Ohio State hater based on my track record, but it's like I'd be saying the same thing if it was Notre Dame, Alabama, Clemson, A and M. Like you can't be in the playoffs if you got four wins, bro. Right. Right. You're right. But. Guys, it was a crazy robbery week. It was a crazy week 13, but we are done here, man. This is a whole episode for you guys. When we came a day late, beat up had to get over COVID yesterday. We got them healthy. We'll be back still this got it. week. So still got it. This episode was amazing, man. I tune in. Just we got some stuff planned. Brandon's got two whole weeks off, guys. <laughs> we go get some stuff in. 
for you guys. So just stay tuned. We'll make some announcements coming soon. But guys, Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod, Instagram at um, at the underscore blue bloods. I already said that. Yeah. Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods. We got all these social medias. I'm blanking, but the blue bloods pod.com. Go check us out there. All the links to social medias everywhere. You can find the podcast. YouTube's on there. The blue bloods CFB podcast on YouTube. Go subscribe now. But guys, tell everyone about this, man. If you got two weeks off like Brandon, just post on Twitter consistently. Yo, go check out the blue bloods. Go ahead and do it. If you got, if you get to go to work, go ahead and tell your coworkers that you're getting coffee. Do what you got to do. But guys, we'll be back soon. But for right now, we out.